Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what's popping with these? Yo, you threw me off. I know. Try it again. Hey, Dio, what's (laughs) popping? What's popping? You know, I hardly laugh, but I was watching last night, Jackass Reloaded. Mm -hmm. If Anyone wants an insight into me? Just watch that, that shit guy. makes me laugh. My wife, who knows I'm not a big laugher, like when I laugh, it's really big, it's uncontrollable, it's over the top, boisterous. But it's rare. I'll chuckle here and there, mm-hmm. I'll smile, but I don't uncontrollably laugh. Watching that made you laugh, like or watching Borat will I'll lose it. And Man. so my wife was upstairs with the kids saying goodnight or something, she could hear me laughing, and she started laughing. Good for you. What made you think about that? Shit, only you know. Oh, I think because I laughed at... Oh, you laughed at my... The I stuff. laughed at us because oh, you, yeah. you just say, Dio, what's popping? Right. And you said... Uh, new, and then you cut me off. You said, Dio, what's popping with these shirts? Oh, yeah. Well, shout out to these shirts. Shout out our friends over at Sales Boomerang. Hey, Sales Boomerang and yours has Mortgage Coach on it. It does. Yeah, we've had both Alex and Dave, Dave Savage yep. with Mortgage Coach and Alex with Sills Boomerang both on the show. Yeah. JC's wearing the shirt. By the way, I want that one back. It's cool. I have an undershirt underneath. I already have this one. I love this one. This was this was the first one they came out with like two years ago. Oh, gee. And I didn't even know who Alex was, but I saw Alex wearing this shirt on like a LinkedIn post and I hit him up. Yeah. I'm like, love the shirt. I commented. He's like, you want one? I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because this is no borrower left behind. Right. But yours Financial friend with benefits. I like that. Yes. Financial friend with benefits. John, you are my financial friend with benefits. I'm waiting for those benefits to start hitting my uh, back end. Damn, that did not come out right. No, that did not come out (laughs) right at all. And you are the one with the benefits, so I'm the recipient of those benefits. Yeah, so I don't know. Right now, what I get is an awesome co-host. Right. What I get is someone to operate those three cameras, these two mics, and those two lights. Right. What I get is somebody who, along with Dennis Miller, keeps our website, theloanofficerpodcast.com, also known as... TLOP Online. T-L-O-P Online.com. Y'all keep that fresh, new content yep. uploaded weekly. Yes. Yes. There's some banging content for free. Yep. There's some even more banging. Super bang. Super bang. It's going to cost you a, a short little donation yeah. of $24.95 per month. You can cancel any time. It's a rounding error. But this is the money that John and I use mm-hmm. to travel to places like Las Vegas, to go to events like Mastermind 2022, mm-hmm. to go... Be one with our people. Thank you so much because you reminded me. We owe a shout out to one of our super T-loppers on YouTube. Okay. And who are we going to be giving a shout out to? Or do you need to look that up first, John? Sean Solars. What's up, Sean? What up, Sean? Your wife hit us up on Facebook, uh, on YouTube and was like, can you surprise my husband? And I totally forgot last episode. So making it up for you now, Sean. Nice. Did she say who Sean's with? Uh, yeah, probably, but I can't read that. She shit. didn't. In fact, what I remember is she said that my husband listens to y'all so loudly right, yeah. that it's forced me to become a fan as well. Right. That reminds me of Gabby and Ben. Shout out Gabby and Ben. Yeah, you know, I actually met up with Gabby and Ben. How? Oh, yeah, up north? How was it? Yeah, yeah, it was great. Yeah, my, my wife and I were in town. We went to the Red Sox games. They whooped up on those Yankees. Yeah. Sorry, Barry Habib. I know you're a huge Yankees fan, but it was nice to see 
the Yankees go down to fall to the Red Sox of Boston. Right. It was actually a really good game. Went into extra innings and everything. Really? Um, but, yeah, so I met up with Gabby and Ben for, like, 45 minutes. Uh, had a beer. It was awesome. They're great people. Right. Like, they're, they're, they're great people. I think my wife was um, totally cool with it, you know, but it's like that's not her scene. What, like, meeting up with other people? Like, yeah, the whole, like, sales networking thing, that's just mm. not her, her thing. I could pick that up, too. I could, I could drive with that. You do a good job of it, though. I, I mean, when I have to. It's a talent that I wish I didn't have. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, where it's like, for me, I'm like, all a stranger is is a friend I've never met yet. Nah, I don't like, I avoid eye contact in public places. Yeah, but I am that guy. It was like we were celebrating our 20th wedding anniversary, which is why, <laughs> like, we started in Boston and ended up in Maine and did right. this whole, like, like seven-day, eight-night trip. And shout out to my mom for, like, watching my kids. Whoa, Not yeah, that, whoa, whoa, whoa. They didn't stay at home by themselves and throw a rager? They're 14 and 17. They think they should have been left at home. Wow. They don't know why their nana and papa wow. had to come over. Wow. Holy, come on, bro. Yeah, yeah. So my, my mom, and, so, and some nights my dad came over, stayed at the house. Um, oh, my gosh. That was a, it was senior year for this kid. Parents out of town first week. Yeah. Back to school. Hey, I got a banger at Jackson Owens house. Every the gate code to get in is pound four seven eight. <laughs> Come through. <laughs> Damn, I feel bad for him now. Do you? Yeah, because Nana was there. Oh, I'm gonna try to sneak. Where you going? Don't go out. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> Damn. Good for you though. Yeah, he did good. He would like tell my mom stuff like, Hey, I'm gonna get off work and go to the gym. Like we would have never let him go to the gym at eight thirty on a Wednesday night. He's got school the next morning. Right. Yeah. But he's a you know senior year man. He can do what he wants. See, all he's he's a straight A student. He takes nothing but electives like art and finger painting. No, actually, uh, he's taking computer science, calculus. At senior year? Yeah. <laughs> no, w- what we let him do is he took off first period, so he has no first period. So he doesn't have to show up to class at like ten. 30. No, he instead of like his sister gets up at like six. And what? she catches a ride at six thirty. What? He doesn't have to get up until like seven, seven thirty. Yeah. But anyhow. Jeez. Um no, so shout out to Solaire. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> anyway. Come on. Today, oh no, I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give her full I'm gonna give her full props because you know we don't prep. Her name, the wife extraordinaire, is Cassandra. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Cassandra. Thank you, Cassandra. Yes. Uh shout out to Cassandra's hubby. Yep. And um, thank you for tuning in. Thank yep. you for listening. Yep. Obviously, you have a kick-ass wife because she reached out to us Duh. and asked us to do this. And obviously, you must be smart because you listen to us twice a week. So there you go. Beautiful. Right? Yeah. Today's topic. Are you ready? I, Dude, I'm pumped up about today's topic. Just like I'm pumped up about your shirt. Right? What, should I, what I should know about personal finance. I'll say that without slurring. What I should know about personal finance. Okay, so this stemmed from conversations I have with mortgage loan originators. When you become a mortgage loan originator, you are more than just somebody who is talking about taking a loan application and qualifying for a 30-year fixed FHA loan that requires 3.5% down. You have an opportunity to change someone's life for the better, to be an educator, a coach. Um, You are maybe the first and only financial professional this person is going to open up to. Right. But if you yourself are ignorant to the most basic financial principles, then my encouragement is stop being ignorant. Educate yourself. Start becoming a student. Just start showing up. Buy a book. Attend a conference. Listen to a podcast. Something that will further educate you on just the most basic financial principles. So as I was talking to loan officers about this, I'm thinking, well, I might as well Mm -hmm. 
jump to the front of the line and let's just start talking to the to the people the loan officers actually support those people they serve mm -hmm. which is the consumers the people who are either looking to buy a house or they already own a, uh, already buy a house um the people who maybe the loan officer tuned me out right. and they're not going to get this from the loan officer so they can at least get it from our podcast right. so i don't know if the number is going to be five if it's going to be seven or it's going to be 10. I know we have about 20, 25 minutes allotted to kind of go through and just cover. I'm talking the most basics, the most basics. I'm not even going to talk about dollars cost averaging. Mm. I'm not going to get a whole lot into compound interest. I'm just going to talk about what each thing is and what the benefit of it would be. And then who benefits from it. Sound good? Sounds great. All right. The very first thing that I would ever do if I was sitting down and I was giving somebody financial advice, besides pay your bills on time, right? that's some of the best financial advice anyone can ever receive. Pay your damn bills on time. Why? Because not paying your bills on time negatively impacts your credit score. I didn't know you have 30 days past the due date to pay that shit. Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, what? There's no excuse. I didn't know that. Yes. <laughs> you can be 10 days late. You can be 20 days right. late. It doesn't start reporting negatively until day 31. Yeah. Now, you may have to pay a small right. late fee if you're more than a the grace period. Right. But no, you pay your damn bills on time because if you don't, you have bad credit. If you don't have credit, then you can't leverage debt to make purchases. Nor if you do leverage debt to, to make purchases, auto loans, student loans, car loans, credit cards, the rate of which they charge you would cost you thousands of dollars mm -hmm. a year that you don't have, because you gotta remember you borrowed the money to begin with, and those are thousands of dollars that you're not going to be saving. So the first step is just pay your bills on time. That's a basic one, but I don't think they actually stress that in high school enough, stress that in college enough. The second one, you gotta have a rainy day fund. It's called reserve assets. That's where you sit down and you type up or write down, I say type because I'm imagining someone taking out their phone right. and going to notes. Mm -hmm. And for 30 days, I want you to track where you're spending your money, total it up. You need that number times three at all times sitting in a savings account. Now, that's not a savings account to take your next carnival cruise. That's not a savings account so that you can go out and buy that jet ski or, or you know, whatever trip you want to take or luxury mm -hmm. item you want to have. No, that's your rainy day fund. That is what's going to help you sleep good at night. We call those reserve assets. You want to have reserve assets at a minimum, have three months. Your goal would be to have six. And if you're a baller, you have 12. Mm. But baby step it. You may want to start with just having $5,000. Right? $5,000 is better than no $1,000. Mm -hmm. But your goal would be three. Once you get to three, you celebrate, then you work towards six. Have you ever met a loan officer that doesn't have their own financial house in order, but is like a good loan officer? You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand like a loan officer being really good with their own personal finances and being a good loan officer. But is that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Good, but not great. Mm. I think now there are some people, I mean, these are doctors and lawyers who make a million dollars a year and terrible with their money. Right. Absolutely terrible. Like when the family and I were out in Wyoming vacationing, we were vacationing with a bunch of doctors. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking to this one doctor, we're waiting for dinner to be served. And um, it was me, her husband. And I was asking her you know, about what type of 
you know, doctor, right. in doctoring does she do, et cetera. And she actually has shared with me, she's like, well, I'm a fertility specialist. Like, so I really don't go delivering babies. Right. And I try to stay away from blood. I'm like, yeah, me too. That's why I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I go, that stuff just grosses me out. She goes, oh, but you're in finance? I go, yeah. She goes, that shit grosses me out. Really? Right. This is one of the smartest of the smart. Right. Right. This person flies around the entire world teaching other doctors about her specialty, which right. is fertility. Yeah. But when I talk to her about finances, Blech. yeah, she's like, that's the feeling I get watching someone get cut open what? for a surgery is the feeling that she feels talking about personal finance. Did she give you a reason as to why? Why does she feel that way? Well, we, we were more ca casual conversation. Like, we weren't like three drinks in at the oh, fire okay, pit right, yet. Right, right, right. But, um, yeah, so I think that's good perspective. Right, right. So the question you asked, like, yes, there are definitely some loan officers who are top producers. They make great money. And they spend their money like derelicts. Right. So, yes. Mm. Yes, there are definitely some. But I find that most people who are great in business especially, mm -hmm. no, they have their, their personal finances in order as well. Right. Like, I, I can go through the list of all the people that I know that are really successful in business, mm -hmm. and they have their shit together at home too. Mm. It's very difficult. But it's like, have you ever seen a fat doctor? Yes. Yes. I mean, yes. yeah, I was thinking, yeah, I have, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yes, just because someone practices medicine right. doesn't mean they go home and actually live a healthy lifestyle. Right. You know? Well said. So, yes. Um, all right. So, we, we did the two basics, right? right? But, like, here's what I want to know Does someone even know what a 401k is? Right. A 401k is a company sponsored retirement savings plan, it is something in which you can have your money deducted out of your paycheck before you ever see it. So you hear people like me say, you need to pay yourself first, John. How do you pay yourself first? You take money off of the top before it ever hits your direct deposit. Mm -hmm. And a 401k allows you, if your company offers one, it allows you to scrape money off of the top before the IRS gets it, before Uncle Sam gets it. And they deposit it into an investment account that that money will grow and compound for as long as you have that particular mm -hmm. account, as long as you work for that employer, et cetera. And if you know anything about compound interest, it is something that starts off very small, but after years or decades, all of a sudden that 100 bucks a month, that 1200 bucks a year is turned into 100,000, mm -hmm. into 300,000, into $700,000. It's how compound interest works. Uh, when I was reading Atomic Habits the other night, it reminded me of um, this quote I had read somewhere. Maybe it was in the book or maybe it was in a, a separate email I subscribed to. But it was talking about the need for now versus the need for later. And it basically, and I'm going to butcher this and I'll try to paraphrase to the best of my ability. But it's the thought process that to reward yourself now is to penalize yourself later. Mm -hmm. To not save that 100 bucks a week because you wanted to go out to dinner, you wanted to buy an appetizer, you wanted two drinks, mm -hmm. means you satisfy that craving today. But what are you sacrificing 30 years down the road, 25 years down the road? You're sacrificing the ability to never have to work again because you can live off of your savings. Right. Or do you sacrifice today so that you can relish mm. in the future? It's very difficult for humans, just the way that we're genetically disposition. Right. This is going back 10,000 years. How, how, how are homo sapiens mm -hmm. even go back to homo sapiens sapiens, mm -hmm. like our, the beginning of, of humans, right. 
Like, no, we very much are a now type person. But how do we force ourselves using our big brains that have developed tremendously over the past 400 years Mm -hmm. to say no? Well, a 401k is just that. What is it? It's a retirement account. What does that mean? It means that you cannot access those funds without penalty Mm -hmm. for at least until you're 59 and a half. Now, there's exceptions to every rule, so please don't bust out page 72 Mm -hmm. of this handbook, subsection 9. Just know that currently you cannot withdraw those funds without penalty until you're 59 and a half. But it allows you to save money, usually taken off the top before the money is ever direct deposited. You will not pay taxes on the portion of the money that you saved. Mm -hmm. So it lowers your taxable liability and allows you to invest that money into some form of an investment, whether it's stocks, whether it's bonds, whether it's mutual funds, or all of the above. So that that money grows over time. So when you get to 59 and a half or 62 and a half or 67 or 72, whenever you need that money and want to retire and never work again, Mm -hmm. it's there. But that hundred bucks a week, which is 400 bucks a month, which is over $5,000 a year because there's actually 52 weeks in the Mm -hmm. year. So it's a little bit, it's like $433 a month if you actually (laughs) want to run the math. Um, After 20, 30, 40 years, you're a millionaire. Right, that's a 401k, and so many other, so many companies offer what's called a 401k match. Mm-hmm. Not every company. Some companies will match 50 cents for every dollar you put in. Some will do a dollar for every dollar that you put in, and there's usually a, a maximum contribution that you can do, or that your that your employer will match. Yeah. But it, when your employer has a match, that's free money. If if I gave 50 cents for every dollar that you put in. You put in a dollar, but now you have $1.50 because I matched. Right. You put in $3, now you have four fifty because I matched. Right? That's how it works. So a 401k is a retirement account that everyone should know what it is and how it works. Mm-hmm. A 403b is very similar to a 401k. A 403b, and this is where, look, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't even play one on TV anymore. <laughs> At one time, I thought I did, but I don't. But I know 403Bs typically for government employees or maybe employees mm. of nonprofits. Mm. I'm sure it has a, a, my CPA friends can jump on and or my financial advisor friends, my Chris Mosley's and, and Rob Farragher's of the world can be like, well, 403B has right. blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. It operates just like a 401K. It's a retirement account. It's company sponsored, et cetera. An IRA, an individual retirement account, is another retirement account. There's Roth. There's traditional. Just know it's another way for you, the consumer, to take money, invest it, and have that money grow, sometimes tax-deferred, sometimes tax-free. It's a way for you to put money aside for retirement, right? A Roth IRA, the money grows tax-free. A traditional IRA, it grows tax-deferred, meaning you don't pay taxes on the money until you start withdrawing it. Mm -hmm. That's what tax-deferred. Tax-free is you never have to pay tax on the money. Can I use that if I'm a consumer? Can I use the funds in my IRA or my 401k to help purchase a home? Yes. The answer, the broad answer is yes. There's a way for some super savvy people to purchase real estate within their IRA. What? Yeah. Like, let's imagine you're 55 years old. You have a few hundred thousand dollars in your IRA because you've been saving 400 bucks a month for the last... 50 years. (laughs) 240 months. Right. Yeah, you, there are some ways that you could just purchase property hmm. through through your IRA funds. I don't know how that really works, but right. yes. Right. And then there's 
income limitations. So somebody with a Roth IRA has to be under a certain income threshold, but a Roth IRA has all the benefits. You don't pay tax on the money that you're putting in. You also don't pay taxes when the money grows. You also don't pay taxes when you take the money out. Hmm. On a traditional IRA, it's debatable depending on your income, whether or not you, the, the money that you put in is taxable income or non-taxable. The money does grow tax deferred, meaning I don't have to pay any trading going on inside of that account I'm not paying taxes on. But when I do go to withdraw the money, then there, I'm going to have some kind of a taxable liability. Right. Um, but I only pay taxes on the difference between what I put in, called my basis, hmm. and what I earned. So I'm not paying taxes on all the money, just on, on what, what I actually grew. Right. But I think loan officers and consumers need to know what is a 401k? What is a 403b? What is an IRA? And I didn't know there's a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. Like these are all things you should know about. Reserve assets. What does that really mean to have reserve assets? It's a rainy day fund. What does it mean to have good credit? Pay your bills on time. Let's start there. You know, like let's start there. And then there's other things, life insurance, disability insurance. Why should I have it? Why does it matter? Well, I can walk you through why you should have it and why does it matter. Life insurance, there's two types. There's whole life insurance, there's term life insurance. Most people only get term life insurance. Term means that from now for the next 10 years, if it was a 10-year policy, or from now until 20 years from now, if I die, this insurance policy will pay out. Mm. Who will it pay? Will it pay my heirs? Who are my heirs? Typically my spouse or my children or both. Who should have life insurance? Anybody who has someone else to take care of after they die. Mm. That's who needs life insurance. A newly married couple with a three-year-old and a one-year-old, they need life insurance. Because if one of them dies or both of them dies, someone needs to take care of those children. Mm -hmm. So you need to have enough money typically to pay off your home and afford some kind of a child care, especially when you're going from a dual income household to a one income household or if you're going from a sole income earner, like, like my household, if I died, I had to have life insurance at a minimum that would have paid off my house and that would have paid for daycare. So my wife could have gone back to work mm -hmm. or she could have gone back to school to achieve a different type of technical training or vocational training so that now she could support her two children because she's now a widow. Right. right? So like, the minute that we bought our house and our son was born, I went out and I took a $500,000 life insurance policy out on myself. It would have paid my wife 500 grand in the event that I died. We took a $250,000 life insurance policy out on her, right? Because she needed money to cover not just paying off the mortgage, but also child care, but also to supplement the income because I was the sole breadwinner. Mm. I just needed money to make sure that I could afford a nanny mm -hmm. and I could afford paying off the mortgage. Right. So like we took life insurance policies and because it was a term policy, it was cheap. It was like $99 for me. It was like 50 bucks for her. So we paid $150 a month. That was money out the door and in hopes that we never, ever needed it. Mm. So that's a term life insurance. And typically like I don't know why you would need term life insurance. We didn't. We sat through the uh, speech, and I was hella mad. Yeah, I mean, you don't have any children. Nope. You own your home. Yep. You want to get that's what those were my financial. You want to see my tips? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kids and don't go out to eat, <laughs> and you will be an easy hundred thousand there. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, 
many people do need it. Now you need to check. A lot of employers offer some kind of a right. life insurance. Yeah. So maybe you should have at least 50 grand so that your wife can bury your ass. Now what happens, can you withdraw that money at any point? Like let's say you guys- Not look. on a term. A term policy is like your auto insurance. Uh, it's okay. like your health insurance. Right. Like you you pay that regardless if you need it or not. Right. And for life insurance, you probably hope you don't need it. Right. You know, but like life insurance worked out well when um, one of my best friends unexpectedly passed away. This is going on almost 10 years now. Mm-hmm. But when he passed away, his daughter was 14. His son was probably nine. He had a life insurance policy. He had a life insurance policy of, of I, I don't know what it was, but it was enough hundred thousands of dollars mm-hmm. that it allowed his daughter to go to her dream college with a brand new car that worked. Hmm. So at a minimum, she had a brand new car that was going to get her through the next 10 years and her entire tuition paid for. That's huge. Yes. And his son, who's now 14, I'm guessing, or 15, will have something very similar offered mm-hmm. to him because at a minimum, my, my buddy had his demons and ended up losing to them. But he at least was responsible enough to understand the value of, of life insurance. Right. So then you get into whole life is a little different. Now, that shit's expensive. And in my opinion, whole life insurance is for people who have a lot of money left over after they funded their no debt lifestyle, mm. after they funded six months reserve, after they've maxed out their 401k, which by the way, to max out your 401k means you're putting, if you're under 50 years old, you're putting like 20 grand a year Damn. into. If you're over 50, you're, you're allowed actually a multiplier to go mm. above that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're maxing out your IRA, which I think is like six or $6,500. Like you're doing all of that. And you're like, damn, man, I got money left over. There are some benefits to having a whole life insurance policy. The way that whole life insurance works is it does have a cash value and it does have a death benefit, Mm. but it's also uh, three to four times more expensive than a term policy. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's give and take. And look, if you talk to enough financial advisors, half of them would be like, F whole life insurance. You can just get a term and reinvest the difference. And then others will talk about all of the, ways to avoid paying taxes in the Mm. future by leveraging the cash value of your life insurance. Just know this for this podcast and this lesson, there is something called term life. There is something called whole life. I do not believe whole life is for many people. I think select few, less than two or 3% of the American populace. Mm. I think term, it needs to have enough to cover the essentials. If you were to die, we all have different essentials, right? Someone with a $800,000 $800,000 mortgage and four children, mm-hmm. way different than someone with no children and no mortgage. Right. right. But that's where you have to figure it out. And you have to look to your employer. Disability insurance. There is insurance out there that will protect you if you become so disabled you can no longer work and provide for yourself and your family. A lot of disability policies are indeed covered through some kind of employee employer-sponsored um but what I'm talking about is long-term disability. Right. Long-term disability typically will cover 60% of someone's annual earnings. Now it will have a cap, right? So if you have a loan officer making 600 grand a year, the cap may be 120. Mm-hmm. But imagine this, and this happened to an associate of ours, a buddy of mine's wife. Um, she had a brain aneurysm. It should have killed her. Thank God it didn't but she battled and fought for her life for months. And the outcome, good part, she's alive. Mm -hmm. 
bad part is she's disabled, like a brain aneurysm. That's that's brain damage. Mm. She cannot function the way that she used to. She has she has various side effects, mm. etc. But because she worked for an employer who offered long-term disability, she knows that at a minimum, she has X dollars, at least 60% of, of her last two years pay coming in for as long as it takes for her to rehab. And in her case, she'll never rehab. This will mm. cover her for life. She never has to work again, which is good because she really can't due to her disability caused by her, her brain aneurysm but a long-term disability policy. Mm. Now I was taught, I believe, and I teach, you don't need short-term disability. Short-term disability is another insurance policy that protects you for your first 90 days of being out of work. Mm. If you have six months reserve, why would you need short-term disability? If you have three months reserve, why would you need short-term disability? I think it's a waste of money. I think you focus on getting your reserve assets, and you keep those there. Again, that's not money for a cruise. That's not money for a new TV, new furniture, or um, any other trip that you may want to take. Mm -hmm. That is money so that when, not if, but when life throws you a curveball, instead of borrowing against your home or borrowing against your credit card or borrowing from the bank of mom and dad, mm -hmm. you go and borrow from yourself because you have it there and you pay yourself back interest-free before you go make any other purchases. That's for when your AC right. breaks, your refrigerator goes, the transmission in your car needs to be replaced, right. your roof leaks, mm -hmm. et cetera. Your kid needs braces, your 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 deductible is $3,000 and you, you just broke your leg. Right. You know, it's like, it's mm -hmm. for stuff like that, the unexpected medical cost or, or auto housing type related right. cost. So that is a short-term disability policy versus a long-term disability policy. Now I worked for an employer at one time that didn't offer any type of short-term, long-term, or life insurance. Do you think that meant I went without it? No. No. Got it My happy ass went out and got it Got it myself, yes. And what's interesting is I have two case examples about long-term disability, right? I have the, the associate who used to work with us back in the day. Mm -hmm. That's a real-life example. I remember I dated this girl in high school, and her father got vertigo so bad he couldn't get out of bed, and when he did, he would vomit mm. from being that dizzy. He lost his job because of it. Like, imagine not being a get good work. Yeah. Like, there's only so much PTO we all have before, hey, yeah. now you're going to have to apply for some kind of a short-term FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act. But after that, it's like, if that vertigo doesn't go away and whatever's causing it, it... You're on your own. Yeah, but how great would it have been? And maybe he did. I mean, I didn't know the family that well, but... I remember that story when my financial advisor shared with me I needed to, to obtain some kind of a long-term disability because I was the sole income provider. I just thought of her father thinking, yeah, if that ever happened to me, I would need some kind of an income. Even if it's, if it's 60% of, mm -hmm. of what I'm making, it's at least something until we can figure out how to get me better, how to get my wife back into the workforce, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So we've covered. Pay your bills on time. Mm -hmm. Reserve assets, 401k slash 403b IRA, life insurance, mm -hmm. both whole and, and traditional or mm -hmm. term, they call it. And we talked about disability, short-term disability, days zero through 90. You really don't need it if you have reserve assets. And we have covered days 91 through perpetuity right. for those people who could maybe become 
fully disabled. Hopefully not, right? Mm. Long-term disability is something you hope you never need. But if you did, Mm -hmm. then there's a policy out there to protect you. It works just like auto insurance, just like health insurance. You know, if, if you don't use it, you lose it. You lose it. But, but yeah. it's a small price right. to pay, right? If, if I had to pay $3,000 a year for my disability policy and I paid for it for 30 years, I paid 90 grand. Mm. I paid 90 grand. My disability policy would pay me $15,000 a month. That's only six months. Yeah, right. That's only six months for me to get my money back. Right. That ROI is like, there's no reason for me not. Right. To, to, to go that route. And maybe that, I, I mean, I'm giving you a rough estimate of what numbers are. Like, I don't know if I pay 3000 a year or 6000 a year. I should know that. But for the past 20 years, my wife's been paying all the bills. Right. I have a good question for you yes. that you ask all of our guests. Outside of those topics that we covered today, what is one or what are one or two things that you wish you had learned at the dinner table but wasn't taught to you as it pertains to financial literacy or things that you should know about finances in general? outside of the 401k saving um roi is a big one to me okay like i figured out roi on my own i don't think that was ever discussed you know figuring out what your return on investment Mm -hmm. um compound interest was huge i remember the first time i learned that my mind was blown and um and i'm gonna steal this from my father because my father has told me he wished he knew this Mm. risk taking the ability to take a calculated risk, not just a risk to take a risk, but a calculated risk. I think in order to take a calculated risk, you have to be able to run an, an, an ROI algorithm. You have to be able to figure out like, you know, for someone to deplete their life savings to go open a food truck, I don't know if that's a calculated risk mm-hmm. because I look at the ROI on that. I'm like, wait a minute, how much money is going to take me to launch this? Mm-hmm. How many hours am I going to have to work? And where does my income tap out? But a calculated risk could be I'm going to invest a third of my savings to launch my own mortgage company that I'm going to grow into a two and a half billion dollar IBM. There's a lot of meat on that bone, right? There's a lot that could go wrong. I could lose a third of my life savings, but then where am I in life? Right, because if I'm in my 30s or my 40s, I still have 20 more years to work. Now I might not want to work 20 years; I may only work 10 or 15. But if I had to, if the, if the shit really hit the fan and everything went wrong, what's the worst thing that could happen to me? Oh, I'm forced to work until I'm 62 and a half, and not retire at 55 or 67 and a half. Who says when I get to 62 and a half, I'm going to want to retire? Mm-hmm. Right? What am I going to do with all that time? So those were the things I wish were probably taught to me. Uh, was more of understanding compound interest, um, understanding ROI and being able to calculate that so that I can take risk. I think mm-hmm. I, I wish it was, it was, um, and, and maybe it was, and I just don't remember it because mm-hmm. maybe it was subtle. Maybe it was done with how my parents supported me where they never told me an idea was crazy. They never told me you can't do that. They never said you should do that. They, they never said, oh, you'll get hurt. You'll lose all your money. Mm-hmm. So I think that's how they supported me. And, and and I've been fortunate that if people did try to tell me that, I tuned them out. <laughs> I'm pretty stubborn and hard-headed like that. My two business partners, Mike Small and David Albrook, would, if Dave was sitting here, he'd be nodding and smiling. Uh, he'd say a little bit. You're like a lot like that. I'm a lot stubborn. I'm a lot hard-headed. Uh, but I think my my parents, without saying it, 
they said it just with their actions, mm-hmm. but they didn't know it themselves or they didn't practice it themselves or been exposed to it. Right. Um, a couple of things I wanted to just throw out there, and this is like, look, this is the world according to me. As I've experienced, as I know it, I'm not the end-all, be-all. I'm just a somebody who's done a couple other things that some people haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. Do not get caught up in becoming a stock picker. You're not one. Period. End of story. You're not a stock picker. Like, unless you have chartered financial analyst next to your name, mm-hmm. you're not a stock picker. Stop trying to be. You don't know people who have been become self-made millionaires from being stock pickers. They are so rare. So rare. That's like saying, I know a millionaire who's also a professional gambler. Like, yes, they are out there. Mm-hmm. Most gamblers are losers, this guy included. Mm-hmm. Most stock pickers are losers, this guy included. You're not a stock picker. You're not going to go out and buy the next Tesla stock, the next Amazon stock, the next Apple stock, the next Coca-Cola stock, the mm-hmm. next Home Depot stock. Like, sure, you can you can put 600 bucks into a stock account and maybe it turned into 1800 Mm-hmm. You're not going to do that consistently, and you're not going to do that uh, enough times successfully that that was going to be your reason for becoming a millionaire. Like, yes, yes, people get lucky. There is a needle in the haystack, and someone has to find it. But the odds are not forever in your favor. Mm -hmm. So I hear from good friends of mine, guys and girls that I grew up with. Oh, man, I wish I could go invest in that stock. I'm like, please know if I invest in stock is because I'm a degenerate gambler. No. It has not. That is not where if, if I'm if I'm expecting my TD Ameritrade or my E-Trade account to be the reason why I can retire. No. I'm screwed. Yeah, you're, yeah. Yeah. My ability to retire was I figured out how compound interest worked decades ago. I'm talking when I was in my late teens, early 20s. And I started investing in a 401k and employee stock purchase plan when I worked at Home Depot. Mm-hmm. In 1998, that's when I started learning. I have lost just about as much money as I've made in the stock market. I've made some great stock picks. They're fun to talk about, man. (laughs) I bought Hertz Rent-A-Car. I'm up 400%. I bought Bank of America at $8 a share, and now it's at 28. Yes. I've also bought some weed stocks. I've lost my ass on. Don't talk to me about that true leave. Yes. Yeah, right? (laughs) Um, So I say leave the stock picking to the two. The, the professional stock pickers. Yes. If you want to invest in something, once you've done your IRA, your 401k, let's understand, well, what is a stock? A stock is the ability for you to have a fractional ownership in a company. Companies issue, issue shares, usually by the millions, so you can be a fractional owner. That's a piece of the company that you own. And the stock's value is based on the value of the company. If the mm-hmm. company is very profitable. You'd expect the price of that stock to go up if the company is not profitable or not deemed to be profitable because so many things are done in forecasting. The value of that stock goes down. You can buy a stock for $10 and sell it for $20. You can buy it for $10 and sell it for $1, mm-hmm. right? That is, you are investing your hard-earned money into one company. A mutual fund, if someone wanted to know, what's a mutual fund, Dio? A mutual fund is where a fund manager is selecting a group of stocks and they're putting them all into one account. So that way, instead of you owning 20 shares of Apple, maybe you own one fifth of a share of Apple and one quarter of a share of Tesla and 
two tenths of a share mm-hmm. of of Disney, and 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 all of those companies are traded within the mutual fund, and there's a mutual fund manager. So you're more just investing in the fund. It's a great way for you to diversify yourself. But again, who should own stocks? Who should own mutual funds? Well, the people who have already shown their ability to pay their bills on time, live a debt-free life. And debt-free life doesn't mean you don't have student loans. It doesn't mean you don't have car loans. It doesn't mean you don't have a mortgage. It means you don't have credit cards. You're not carrying credit card debt, consumer debt. Those people who are already contributing to a 401k, to an IRA, those people who already have their three, six, or even 12 months reserve, those people who are insured based on where you are in life, I'm totally cool with with a term policy. I'm totally cool with someone just going with their company-sponsored disability. Mm -hmm. Okay, All, all well and good. That's when you can start buying stock. And and if you're buying stock, please know who are you? What's your experience? How many books have you read? How many classes have you attended? How many hours have you spent trading? Mm-hmm. Now, if you spent five years trading on like the, the, the games that have the fake money, mm-hmm. then you know, maybe you'll buck the trend. Maybe you'll be the one in 100,000. But um, that's what a stock is. That's what a mutual fund is. I had one more thing. Oh, a 529. We have not discussed what a 529 is. Because I don't have kids, so I don't need to worry about it. Oh, but you do know what a 529 is, John. Yes. What is a 529? A 529 is a college savings plan. It allows you, the consumer, to put money aside today to save for your child's education. That money then grows, I believe, tax-free, maybe even tax-deferred, meaning it has tax benefits. Because here's the thing. In my E-Trade account or my TD Ameritrade account. Every time I buy and sell stock, a taxable event happens. Mm -hmm. Every time. Every time if I had a managed account, every time that my financial advisor is buying and selling a different security, then it creates a taxable account. Mm -hmm. So every year, because I do have a stock account and I do have a managed account, every year I get 1099s in the mail that I have to claim Mm -hmm. on my taxes. It creates a taxable event. A 529, like an IRA, allows that money to be traded in a fund, so not an individual stock, but a fund, so that I can put money away every single month to go towards my children's college savings. So that way, when it's time to pay for college, I can withdraw that money, hopefully without tax penalties, Mm -hmm. and I can pay for their books, their tuition, their housing. And if ever needed, I can actually, um, let's say I put all this money aside for Jackson. He didn't need it all because maybe he got an ROTC scholarship. But his sister wanted to go to NYU. She didn't get a scholarship. She didn't go ROTC, but she got in. Mom and dad want to reward her. We could take some of the money from Jackson's 529 to help supplement Kendall's education. There you go. We wouldn't do that, and our kids would get into an absolute war with each other. Right. But that is what a 529 is. It is a college savings plan. Now, the debate is many states, especially large states like Florida, we have our, our state uh, prepaid mm-hmm. – Bright Futures or something? Well, Bright Futures is a scholarship, but you have what's called Florida prepaid. So various states have their prepaid. So it's like they work one and the same. It's it's a way to lock in today's tuition and and pay the tuition at a hundred bucks a month. Right. Starting when the kid is two. Ah, okay. Versus trying to pay two thousand dollars a month when the kid's eighteen. Right. Um, so there's a debate whether or not people should do the state prepaid. Or they should do a 529. I choose 529 because I like the flexibility. Mm-hmm. I liked knowing that if my child wanted to go to an out-of-state school and that he or she got into that out-of-state school, 
that I could use the funds that we set aside to pay, whereas with the Florida prepaid, I would have some handcuffs. Right. But it's six one way, half a dozen the other. I will give you my two cents on college savings plans. They come last. They come last. Parents, you're not a bad parent if you put yourself first. That is living a debt-free life because you are going to lead by example. If that is saving for retirement, yes, you can't borrow for retirement. You can borrow to go to school. Your, your kid can work while going to college. They can go to a state two-year mm -hmm. before they go off to the big university. There are ways to make college work, but there's no way to turn around and be 62 and a half and not have money saved for retirement. Mm -hmm. So you start by paying your bills on time, living a debt-free life, having your three, six, or 12-month reserves, putting money aside for 401k IRA. Mm -hmm. For me and my family, it was not just money 401k and IRA. It was also that intermediate fund, whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's my stock picking account, or for us, I use an expert. I call Caleb. I just give Caleb money and say, hey, you and your team invest this money wisely. And within that, I know sometimes he's buying bonds, sometimes he's buying stocks, sometimes he's investing in funds. Cool, he's managing it. It's called a managed fund. After that, yeah, I'll put some money aside for my kids' education if I have money left. But those assholes can get scholarships. Right. They can work part-time jobs. I'll let them live at home. Forever. We have several universities all within driving distance mm -hmm. of where we live. Most towns do. Even villages do. And every city does. Right. Right? So those are some of the basics. That's some overall financial basics you should understand. Now, we could have picked any one of those and done a deep dive into it. Mm -hmm. But my goal was to just surface level cover as much as well as to interject my own commentary. Well said. Hopefully I did that, John. Mm -hmm. How do you think we did? I think you did great. I still have a terrible time saving my money. So for those folks out there that want to draw inspiration from you but then look to me, I blow my money every week. And that's not something I'm trying I'm, I'm trying to work on it. But but you don't. You joke about that. I, you joke about that. Yeah. You live a debt-free life. Yeah. Okay. You invest in your 401k. Yeah. You still have stock from your previous employer. Yeah, it's dwindling down off some of them Tampa trips, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Create a lot of taxable events with that E-Trade. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You own your house outright. Yeah. But as you know, kids take a lot, man. Kids yeah. take a lot of money. Yeah. Well, you yeah, your your kid is that yard that you take. <laughs> you spend so much time in that yard, what? it might as well be your kid and I, your dog. Right. But yeah. you want to talk about ROI. I pay twenty dollars to never have children. <laughs> So you want to talk? You want to talk about compound interest over decades and decades? <laughs> Shit, I don't know. Awesome. Well, hopefully you all enjoyed that show, right. right? Hopefully this is this is an episode that literally is for all. Right. It's for our 17 year olds. It's for our 70 year olds. It's for mortgage professionals, real estate professionals, uh, and all of the communities that real estate professionals and mortgage professionals serve. I hope for my financial advisor friends, I didn't screw up your job too much. Ooh, no. I hope I didn't screw up your job too much. I'm sure there's some things that you rolled your eyes, you may have snickered at. I did my best. My caveat is, look, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't even play one on TV. Anymore. I'm a dude who got into the mortgage business about 18 years ago. I love helping people. I love teaching. I love coaching. I try to inspire, try to entertain, yeah. and want to keep on doing it. Yeah. So as long as y'all keep on sharing this content. Liking. 
liking this content, yep. subscribing on YouTube, yep. listening on Spotify, giving five-star reviews. We're going to keep showing up. Yes. Visit our website, tloponline.com. Keep messing around. We might make a third episode dropping on Sundays. Keep messing around, yes. Based on your request and your feedback, that's what keeps us motivated. Right. As we see our, our subscribers grow, we get more excited. Yeah. As we see people share our content, we get more excited. Mm -hmm. We can't wait to go out to Vegas next month. I cannot wait. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. We, we hope you come up and say hi to us. Multicolored chips only at my table. Whatever that means, John. I just, look, here's what I know. Horn high yo. Horn high yo, and a green chip goes out to the middle. <laughs> It's going to be a good time. Right. It's going to be a good time. Except for I'm going to be hardcore still in my training for my uh, 70.3. So um, I'm going to have to be on my best behavior because I'm going to have to train while I'm in Vegas. You can take one night off. Maybe. We'll at, see. At we'll see. Right. Hey, if that DJ that was spinning there like seven years ago is still there. Well, he will be. Highly doubt it. But, but hey. You never know. Residency lasts a while. All right. Cool. Huh. Hey, on that note, let's go ahead and conclude for today. Right. His name's John Coleman. My name is Dio. You have just tuned into the Lone Officer Podcast. It's all the time we have for you today, but we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace.